0: Mysterious. Then I will break you. Halt! You merely adopted the dog. I can do this all day.
1: Welcome to the Title Run Podcast. I am your host, David LeFay, joined again by my good friend, William Lindblad. William, tell the people what's up. Hi, everybody. Today we're talking about the MCU again and the villains that we would like to see add to the MCU As always, you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter or email us, titlerunsports at gmail.com. Also, remember to rate this show at slash titlerunsports. So, William, last time we talked about how to bring mutants into the MCU. So, today we're talking about the villains we'd want to see involved in those storylines. So, I think we had originally kind of narrowed this down to we had originally talked about doing this kind of as villains that we'd want to see redone and the new villains and then when I looked at our final list which we went back and forth on we kind of ended up with just a lot of villains that we wanted to see redone period
0: (laughs) yeah a lot of them are like major villains that have been featured before but not in the MCU which means pretty much done badly in most cases a few exceptions
1: and so like the problem is that they picked a lot of the best villains so it's like (laughs) of course you want to see these redone like Oh yeah. Because they're like the primary antagonist for a lot of the stories. It's like in the, the Marvel, the, excuse me, it's like in the DC universe. Yes. Of course you want to see the Joker redone. The Joker mm-hmm. is arguably the best superhero villain of all time. So of course you want to see him redone. It doesn't matter how many times he's redone because <laughs> he's the best. And Maybe I not kinda, as
0: Jared Leto, but oh gosh. Yeah.
1: But I, <laughs> I kind of feel like that's the same with these. So I started with our list. We came up with a list of 10. We neared it down. Uh, the the well, I don't know. Are these in order?
0: These are more or less in order, aren't they? They're they're vaguely in order. Vaguely in order. Okay. Well, at least the first couple. Yeah, are, the, I,
1: I can at least say that I know the top three are definitely our top three. So I'll start at the very bottom with number ten. So this is one that I've wanted for a long time. That's Craven the Hunter, um, and especially with Spider Man being a property back in the MCU now, Craven's one of the few characters that I really like that we haven't seen from Spider Man, and it's. He's much better served as an ancillary villain in a movie. But again, you also don't want to get Spider-Man 3, where you have three villains that all get very, very little screen time and are underdeveloped. (laughs) So I would love to see Craven as an ancillary character that maybe is a distraction for Peter Parker and keeps him from maybe uh, being able to solve a plot involving a much larger character. But Craven the Hunter to me, just the idea of the essentially like another superhuman, super soldiery type person with a twist of him being, you know, having the animal ties. I just think he'd be really interesting to see on screen. What are your thoughts on Craven?
0: Craven, I actually um, was talking to one of our friends the other day, and I, an idea hit me, uh, so to speak, sort of a um, a new a new sort of twist on the character. I know that he's Craven the Hunter. He's like this. Uh, Russian noble person from the mid-1900s in the comics that uh, his family's wealthy, and so like all wealthy European people, he goes to Africa and hunts big game, and then he gets bored of that and starts hunting people, um, or Spider-Man specifically, um, because he's a, a new thing to hunt. Um, I And I was thinking uh, to kind of keep with the motifs and the, the sort of the aesthetic that they have with the Spider-Man films now, Why not make him sort of like a hitman or like somebody Mm. that like contracts into the tracking and tracking down of wanted people, sort of like a mercenary or something like that? Where he's like he's Mm. craving the hunter, but he hunts people in the sense that he is like Deadpool or somebody like being paid to track these people down and possibly kill them.
1: That would definitely give you a much more realistic take on the character. You know, I mean, I love the classic character wearing like the furs around his back and the tights and jumping around the city like he's an acrobat. But I mean, like one of the things that Marvel's done is they've done really good at making the outrageous seem plausible. And again, yes. that's a much more plausible take on the character that I would be good at as long as they keep some of the uh, eccentricities that make that character
0: yeah. unique. Yeah. I would be fine with him. Okay. I would be fine with him wearing like cheetah print and <laughs> and whatnot.
1: Like, you could, again, you could make subtle references to it without him having to literally like wear an open-chested vest with, like, <laughs> leopard skin on the back. Like, he, he does the comments,
0: Blending in perfectly. Yeah. Uh,
1: so, Craven's one at the bottom of my list. And, again, I, that's probably not going to be a popular pick among our audience, but that's one that dishes has always interested me, and we haven't seen him before. Another that we actually have not seen before, but he's been hinted at, is Nathaniel Six, a.k.a. Mr. Sinister. And um, I think Mr. Sinister would make a really good fit with the potential introduction of mutants that we discussed last time. For example, if you had something like the SNAP or even the experiment that would, like the cover-up, government cover-up uh, track towards mutants that we talked about last time, it'd be very easy for him to be a scientist that's doing experiments and either discovers the X gene or tries to find ways to manipulate it and improve upon it. So you could get a very, very realistic version of the character there also.
0: I think that's I think that's very true. He's he's sort of intermixed because his character arc is very much tied to his job as right. geneticist, genetic engineer. He's all about DNA and what the DNA is capable of doing. He likes to mix and match, like this person, this mutant and this mutant, and see what happens. Does it make it more powerful? Does it make it less powerful? Um, and stuff like that. Uh, so it's definitely something where, like we were saying about making something fantastical plausible in the MCU of him being basically um, a biotech scientist or inventor or innovator, um, possibly working at Oscorp or something like that, um, like he does in the Ultimates universe. See, um, like,
1: I, I love that idea of tying it together because, again, he, like Craven is someone that's better served as a secondary villain. He, he should mm-hmm. not be the main villain. He's someone who is doing things that weave into a, a larger storyline. But he's interesting in the fact that he's tied to so many characters in the, in the a mutant universe there's mm-hmm. so much you can do with them although you would definitely have to change his look he essentially looks like a metallic vampire in most of his <laughs> representations
0: he has the weirdest cape in in anything i've ever seen it's just a st- bunch of strips of cloth coming off his shoulders it
1: kind of reminds me of like the Hellspawn cape from spawn like a little bit <gasps> yes. but
0: not as cool yes <laughs> this doesn't do as much it just kind of hangs there
1: no no. So, okay. So then moving up to number eight and this is one that you've been on for a long time. It's a character that I personally don't know as much about. So tell our audience a little bit about him and why you're so high on Annihilus.
0: <laughs> I'd like Annihilus because, uh, well, first of all, I kind of skew in the general scheme of things. I, I skew towards the cosmic side of Marvel. I like the cosmic characters because that's where it gets crazy and it's very hard to make that plausible. And that's why I like, uh, James Gunn and the way he was able to do guardians of the galaxy and things like that. And make these ridiculous characters and cameos and, and things. And like, and then you're looking at this movie, you're like, this is so bonkers. And then like something weird happens like that, that you've already been inoculated to. And you're like, Oh, okay. (laughs) It it doesn't surprise you that a giant blob has rolled by the screen or something like that. Um, Annihilus. I like, because he's, despite being like primarily a fantastic four villain, Yeah he is a cosmic multiversal threat. He comes from um, an antimatter version of our universe called the negative zone or the end zone. Um, if you watched the The Awful Fantastic Four reboot movie, it's that weird volcanic perp- uh, green volcanic place that they go to with the the little portal and come back from, uh, and they get their powers from. And so he is from there, he's an insectoid dragon thing. He's he's basically an, a giant insect that's gotten sentience. Uh he has an exoskeleton that makes him super durable and super strong, and he's got giant bat wings that he flies with. So he's he's pretty bonkers and out there, sort of like a fever dream uh, from the mid nineteen hundreds. And yeah. yeah,
1: if you haven't seen what a Nihilus looks like, essentially and you correct me if I'm wrong here, William, picture Ultron mixed with the green goblin and a little bit of ghost rider thrown
0: in. Yep. <laughs> That's that is an excellent combination of characters to make, to make a, an approximation.
1: I mean, it's, uh, he's he, weird looking.
0: <laughs> yeah. And his, and his entire stick is whereas Mr. Sinister, like where Craven is a hunter and he likes hunting and he likes to thrill of the hunt. Mm-hmm. Mr. Sinister likes genetics and mm-hmm. like finding out what genetics is capable of with mutants. Annihilus, his whole reason for being is survival. Like he is paranoid that he will stop living. Uh, he he hasn't had that realization like most humans have uh, by a certain age that one day you will die uh, and no longer be. And so he's he does everything to like extend his life. He's sort of like um, and he he has done some some really cool stuff in the comics to where he's sort of like Doomsday, where every time Doomsday Mm. is killed, he he comes comes back stronger. stronger. Yeah, okay. Uh, And so Nihilus is sort of tapped into that in some versions where he's like, you kill Nihilus and then he fixes that problem to where he can't be killed that way again or something. It comes back uh, stronger as a foe. And in the comics, he also led a a massive crossover event where he invaded our universe from his universe um, where he is sort of like the de facto emperor of everyone. And he, like, led this massive, called the Annihilation Wave, or this massive invasion, <laughs> uh, kind of just crossing the entirety of the Marvel Universe, conquering and destroying, like, Kree and Skrull and Shi'ar and all of the, the major civilizations along the way until everybody banded together to stop him.
1: So from your perspective, give me, like, a, a brief summary of how you see him entering the MCU. What property, I mean, I'm sitting in the Fantastic Four, and, like... How what would his role look like? Will he be a primary villain? Like, well, just give me a little picture of that.
0: In, in thinking about the plausibility of it, uh, I I'm not sure I have an answer because okay. it's it's one of those things. Like, I, uh, a few years ago, I would have said maybe a Guardians film because yeah. it's primarily set in the cosmic side of things, and that you could see the Guardians sort of like scrambling uh, to get heroes to come together, kind of like help, 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 like with Thanos. Um, to stop this annihilation wave, this invasion, if it's on a smaller scale, if they don't do the annihilation wave altogether um, and they do it like sort of like a, a character versus character fight thing, like a, like most of the early MCU, um, then it could be the fantastic four or whatever. And it could involve the quantum realm or, or what have you, or he's trying to go use the quantum realm to come into our reality.
1: Now that's a twist. I like because that would continue with the theme of these, the quantum realm to, link different universes that mm-hmm. is probably going to be a big part of one division that one division um a big part of the uh loki series and mm-hmm. is that right the loki series yeah they have uh, yeah because the time jump the, the, the tba yes. yeah. yeah the time vari- variance authority yeah so uh, it, it'll link up with some of the disney plus series that are going to use uh that's not it's not called the microverse what is it called william
0: in the comics that's going to use it's the quantum realm. Th- I, quantum I'm, realm. Okay. Yeah. It's, in a, it's in the microverse in the comics. Yeah. It's
1: they're <laughs> going to use the, it's going to link up with some of the shows that use the quantum realm to connect these universes. And it's a great way of getting around some storytelling or retconning things that oh, yeah. maybe you didn't have set up in the past. So that's interesting. Speaking of things I would like retconned, one of my <laughs> favorite villains, Galactus, who was turned into a, a very ethereal, darn near shapeless cloud in the 2000s uh, Fantastic Four, which disappointed me because it actually had a very, very good portrayal of the Silver Surfer in that movie, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I'm in the oh. minority thinking that. Um, but Galactus is interesting, A, because he's a superpowered villain, but B, because I would love to see the Silver Surfer. And actually, as a villain in a movie, like, let him not become good in the movie, but the Silver Surfer is one of my favorite characters and he's got such an interesting story. He could have his own backstory, but Galactus to me makes a great cosmic villain and there's so much you could do with him. And I think he'd be a great, I know he's traditionally a fantastic four villain, but to me, I would love to see him in like a crossover thing where maybe like the guardians and the fantastic four and or other groups are, are bonding together to fight him. You know, maybe he could attack, Xandar or something like that. Give us a different view of something we hadn't seen before.
0: I mean that, yeah, that would be great. Uh, I, he also like so many of the other characters on the list. He has so many like ties and connections and relationships to other things. And that he's very much related to the celestials uh, Hmm. in some of the comics. And that and they're, they're revealing the celestials more with the Eternals movie coming Hmm. out at some point after COVID. And, (laughs) um, some other things like he Franklin Richards, apparently uh, the, the son of Reed uh, Richards and Sue storm from the fantastic four. He, he makes Galactus his herald because he's that powerful in the comics and uses that to, to, to kill celestials with. And he's also beyond just like a personality. He is, he's like a force of nature in the marvel and universe he's he's like the the life death balance person That's a
1: good description. That's a really good description. I would love to think about this like what if galactus had something to do with nowhere getting its brain sucked out. Mhm. Like like yep. y- use him like in that context to explain even things in the past the MCU. I would just think it'd be really interesting because he's a character you yeah, can do so much with.
0: He would be very good at ex- kind of like um, filling out history of like things we've already seen.
1: And to get even really crazy, what if you had what if you had somehow linked him to Thanos and Thanos' mission of purging the uh-huh. universe? The I just feel like you could do a lot of cool storytelling with Galactus, taking him back as someone that's existed in this realm that like I said, you could even connect him to Thanos. Say he was part of Thanos' mission to purge fifty percent of the universe. Anyways, I just that's like a half formed idea, but I just feel like there's a lot of cool things you could do with the character of Galactus.
0: Team Purple.
1: Team Purple <laughs> All right. Um, another one that we've seen, uh, I guess, three di- two, two different versions of um, is Kingpin. Uh, he wasn't in any of the original Spider Man movies, either the uh, 2000s or the Amazing Spider Man movies, was he? Uh,
0: no, he was in Daredevil.
1: He's in Daredevil, yes. Yeah, that's so it was that's the only Duncan, uh, the, yeah. Who did a surprisingly decent job of playing that character.
0: That, that was a bright spot, I think. Yeah,
1: in <laughs> I, I And watch that movie when you rewatch it. He's actually one of the really good uh, things about that movie. Uh, bullseye, not so much. <laughs> but And then you got this Vincent D'Onofrio version that was just so cold-blooded and terrifying. And I mean, I think a lot of people would love to see D'Onofrio uh, reprise that role in the MCU um, as a Spider-Man, Daredevil Devil villain. He's another one that's got so much crossover. He really could go to mm. any of the New York-based uh, superheroes, which is like half of the marvel catalog <laughs> um, if you wanted to bring in luke cage or uh, iron fist i know that's controversial to some people daredevil who a lot of people would love to see um mm-hmm. but and again to me i think he'd make a good villain that would that would serve in tandem something someone else like you mentioned norman osborne or even mm-hmm. the villain that's at the top of our list uh yeah who we're both excited about having but what are your thoughts on kingpin
0: Actually, I was going to ask you, uh, I think you've already answered it to some degree, If what you felt about uh, Vincent D'Onofrio from the Netflix Daredevil series and the Defender series making, Man, a, making a comeback.
1: The thing that they nailed about them was he's terrifying, but he's complex. Like mm-hmm. he he wasn't just a mindless monster. He had a motivation. It was he loved Vanessa. And, you know, obviously in the comics and in like End of the Spider-Verse, he loves his kid and he'll do yeah. anything to protect them. He tries to keep them separate from his life of crime and he does what's necessary to keep things right for his family. And so I love the portrayal, that portrayal of him as an almost sympathetic figure at times.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's definitely something where I know like growing up you get the like as a kid you're like oh they're doing evil because they just like doing evil yeah, things they yeah. like killing or blowing stuff up and it's like no that you get to the, the adult side of things and it's like no they actually have somewhat legitimate uh <laughs> like goals and they're just going about them in a horrendously awful way uh because they lack some sort of like component in their moral character or they they're taking a shortcut somehow
1: and that's a different tone a character like Ironmonger, who is a one-note, boring villain, and someone like Killmonger, who was complex. You get to the middle of that movie, we're in the climax where he's in the uh, astral plane, seeing his father, and seeing mm-hmm. all the damage that was done to him by his Wakandan family, and you're just like, okay, maybe, maybe I'm not as eager to see this guy get killed off. You know what I mean? Like,
0: yeah,
1: it's, it's like, you, and those make the best villains. They're people that either have the right idea but are going about it the wrong way or they're misguided. Like Thanos, he's a perfect, Mm. you know, I think we've called him like the ultimate eco-terrorist jokingly, but. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's one of those things. It's it's, the more complex it is. It's a good villain should be one where you can almost root for them. Yeah. In certain circumstances.
1: And that's what's made like going back to like the X-Men films. The reason that X-Men first class was so good is because Magneto just rips your heart out with seeing his backstory and his separation from Charles. Like it's like, like you just, it's heart wrenching. And so that's one of the things that made that story so compelling.
0: Oh yeah. And that's definitely, and that's why spoiler alert, he's higher on our list. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: He is on this list. And and, uh, as for Kingpin to answer your question. Yeah. I think Vincent Ophrio would be great. In fact, it would be hard to see anyone else's Kingpin now.
0: And there's no reason and he couldn't reprise the role. And I think in terms of – just beyond the, the the pure like genius that is Vincent D'Onofrio's acting in that role and some other roles too, like uh, Edgar from Men in Black, uh, <laughs> where he just gets in character and, he's, and he is that character. Um, he, he, he meets the physical like description of the character in a way that I don't think any other actor could because he's very large – and he's, but he's large framed. He's not, he's not obese. He's like, I am just a large barrel chested man and I will put a hurting on you. (laughs) And I think that a lot of ways that could get lost because you would try to put like a kind of a portly actor into that role and they wouldn't have that physical presence that.
1: That, Yeah. That's one of the things that Michael Gork Duncan pulled off is he looked good in the suit. And then he takes that, that, that uh, jacket off in that last fight scene Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh my gosh! And he beats the absolute crap out of Daredevil, <laughs> and Daredevil uses basically his wit and his uh, instincts to beat him. Which that was, a, which by the way, that's a fantastic fight. But he ends up just, like slicing his uh, Achilles, doesn't it, or something like that? I,
0: he, I, I think he like breaks his his uh, ACL, or he got like, kicks him in the knee yeah. or something where he can't take a weight.
1: But it was the kind of thing where it was like, you know what? That's a very realistic ending to a fight where the where the superhero is, over, is under is uh, is overpowered. By the villain. Yeah, it was.
0: Like, I'm not going to punch your face out of yeah, my like, way out of this.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. Moving on. This is one that you, this is another one of the villains, William, that you've been on forever, and you have. You've talked about how he's got so much versatility. There's so much you can do with him. You can tell so many stories with him. So go ahead and talk about Kang the Conqueror.
0: Kang is <laughs> one of the most complicated backstories of anyone in Marvel Comics, I think, and it's because he is sort of like the. If you looked up. Marvel in a, book, in a dictionary of Marvel and you looked up time travel villain, his picture would be there yeah, because he yeah, is he like would, the time the travel, travel bad travel. guy of all of Marvel, like bar, bar none. He's, he's the number one guy in that respect. But because of that, he also interferes with his own timeline. And I think with like the introduction of a multiverse and the way that when you go back in time, you change something and it creates an entirely different universe That that's also borne out in the comics because Kang... Uh, sort of like Reed Richards forms the council of Reeds from across like versions of himself from across the multiverse oh to figure out problems. Kang has sort of a council of Kangs. Yeah. And like they all like it's like every time he goes back in time and changes something, a new version of him pops up into existence. And so there's a whole story arc about him manipulating the deaths of all of the other Kangs. And so he can absorb all of their memories from all these divergent timelines and know exactly how anything would play out given any certain situation. Um, so may not, sort of omnipotent.
1: may not make for the best storytelling in a movie considering That's the suspension true. of disbelief. But what do you think? So like, in your mind, he would be like a quantum realm multiverse villain. Am I right? Like alternate timeline,
0: yeah, overlord.
1: Over other
0: he's villains, I maybe. Could sorry. Easily see. Oh, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> uh, he's somebody I could easily see being in the Loki series as sort of like yeah, uh, yeah. an antagonist mm-hmm. because they're the time, the, the whole thing they do, like the, the TVA, the Time Variance Authority. They're time cops, and they go make sure that deviations aren't happening from approved timelines. Um, and somebody like somebody like Kang throws a wrench into that because he's going backwards and forwards in time, changing things willy-nilly as he sees fit. Um, he he also has lots of connections to other villains mm-hmm. um, he's a descendant a future descendant of Reed Richards um, huh. uh, his name is Nathaniel Richards in the comics he's like thousands of years in the future or th- a thousand years in the future mm-hmm. He's a descendant of Reed Richards he's sort of embarrassed by that fact he'd rather be Doom's descendant um, wow and he's and that's, that's what gets him into time travel, is he studies all this stuff. He's just as smart as Reed Richards, genetically. <laughs> and he steals Dr. Doom's time time machine, fixes it up, and goes back in time. So that's what gets him started, It is Doom tech. And he becomes a pharaoh in ancient Egypt because he has this ridiculously advanced technology. Mm-hmm. And he becomes a pharaoh named Ramatut. Rama and that crosses paths with uh, an, a mutant named nur Yeah who becomes Apocalypse. Apocalypse. And so you have, he's sort of a villain that sets up a lot of other villains. Like he can be a main villain, but then also like you can see the sort of ripples go through.
1: And for that reason, it's very easy to see him going across multiple movies, um, encountering multiple heroes. Because of that, I can see some overlap between him and Thanos, even though their mission and their methods really aren't similar. Because Thanos' thing really isn't conquest. It's... um, extinction <laughs> of half the people. He com- so, I mean, and so their objectors are saying, cause Thanos is not trying to rule the universe. I mean, which is one of the things that makes him an interesting villain. He's one of the few that isn't a megalomaniac. It's not his goal, but, but, uh, I was actually pretty unfamiliar with Kang until I saw him in the Avengers, uh, cartoon series. And I forget what it's called now. They've changed the name so many times, but early 2010s, uh, cartoon series, which was really, really good. And mm-hmm. he was portrayed as like genius of geniuses biggest of big bads one of those like high high thanos or above actually probably higher than thanos level threats to the universe
0: yeah, yeah he because he's his entire existence and what he does is affects a multiverse not just not just on a cosmic scale but on a multi-cosmic scale
1: and i haven't said that I you know i just said a second ago that could be overlap between him and thanos for some people but i think the more overlap between, between, would be between him and possibly victor von doom yeah and if given a choice between those two, as this overarching behind-the-scenes puppet master, yeah, <laughs> we'll get to which one we'll choose in a few minutes. <laughs> um, so you mentioned this guy a second ago, Apocalypse. He's yes. we got an Ivan the Ooze version of Apocalypse in <laughs> in uh, the Fox Marvel properties a few years ago, and we you and I talked about this how this is one of the cases where they went for a good actor instead of someone who was probably a better physical fit for the role. And it's one of the rare cases where it probably backfired. You know, yeah. Oscar Isaac's like
0: 5'10". Yeah, he, but a, I don't think he's even 5'10". He, I think yeah. he's like 5'8".
1: That's a – I mean, he's a great actor, and the makeup yes. job they did for him didn't do him a whole lot of favors. He was kind of boring, I thought. Mm. It's not his fault. It's just, the character of Apocalypse is just – he was one of just
0: those like – Like a cult leader that just like rambles.
1: He was the bad guy that made speeches. You don't really know what he wants or why he's doing what he does. And it was like this is kind of a waste of the villain. Now, granted, that is kind of how Apocalypse is in the comic books. He is a guy that makes speeches and just tries to take over the world. But I feel like what they missed was I think the genius of Apocalypse as a villain is how he's always one step ahead. Mm -hmm. He's the guy that always has the counter, the counter to your counter. And so, like, him mm-hmm. as a strategic mastermind is what makes him a villain, even though he's a pretty one-note, flat, pure evil bad guy. <laughs> I mean, is that yeah. your interpretation of him, too? It's, Am I wrong on this?
0: It's the way I look at it, and it's, yes, he I, he definitely falls on the evil side of the, the spectrum. Yeah. But um, sort of the way Galactus is sort of a cosmic embodiment of life and death, yeah. order, chaos, Like a force ballast. of nature.
1: You said it earlier, yeah.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. apocalypse is sort of. I see. The, I see apocalypse as sort of the, the embodiment of Darwinism. He hmm. Is like his entire existence is strongest survives. Like there, there's no mercy. There's no like you get a you get a participation trophy in life. Like no, you, <laughs> you either are the best or you die and make room for the best. And sometimes, if you're the best in one se- in one era, you might not be the best in another era. In which case, your time is done. Make room for the new guy. And and the comics, it's sort of made more plain because he improves himself as a mutant with yeah. Celestial tech that he steals. Mm-hmm. And the Celestials, in return for augmenting him with this power, make him sort of like the official custodian of their experiment. Like the Celestials experiment when they say, we're going to come back every so many thousand years and if you haven't evolved enough as a species, we're going to wipe you all out and start over. And so his job given to him by the Celestials is... We have to evolve. We have to make sure we make mm-hmm. that deadline, and and keep going. And so he's he's a little cutthroat about that because he knows what it means to not make that deadline and not make the cut.
1: So two things when you say that. First of all, I was not aware of that background for that character. Like, you know, I know about the idea of him being the oldest mutant, a born mm-hmm. but I've never heard that version of his background, of his backstory where he's essentially trying to prevent the apocalypse coming from the celestials by not having us evolve. And the idea of evolving was something you saw a lot in the cartoon series Mm -hmm. when he makes his four horsemen, trying to always improve and make them better. And the other thing is when you were talking about, you know, if evolve or die, all I could think of is if you're not first, you're last. (laughs) (laughs) But I did not interrupt you to say it, but that's all
0: I could think of. Apocalypse portrayed by Will Ferrell. Yeah. And a NASCAR suit.
1: Okay, so uh, Apocalypse is one that he's also very versatile because he could be a, a big bad with a lot of heroes underneath him, which is how we typically see him. But mm-hmm. I don't know if that role fits him best in the MCU as currently constructed. What do
0: you think? It's it's sort of... I would almost see it like any of his followers would have to be sort of like relics mm-hmm. like okay. from a previous era. like They used to be part of his, his posse, if you will, um, because he has so many different he has the, the the dark riders or the uh this i think they're called the dark riders um and he has the Fort the horseman mm-hmm. which he always it's picks popular. like very popular like wolverine and several x-men have been horsemen mm-hmm. of his uh throughout the comic history but he also like like kang the conqueror he has the time travel aspect with cable They like he's tied up with cable and like with Mr. Sinister and this idea of like breeding ideal mutants that are super powerful. Yeah, he's... I I, I don't know how they would do it, because they, it would sort of have to be... It would almost have to be a one-off, I, I would feel, because he doesn't really play well with others that he's not controlling. And that's
1: true, and I just don't feel like he would be the choice for an overarching villain, because as you pointed out to me several times, Marvel is moving towards their big bads mm-hmm. being cosmic threats. And so... You know, that doesn't really, that's no. not really Apocalypse's game. So, like I said, I would definitely would think he'd be, first of all, in a, in a, mute, yes. in a movie involving mutants. Uh, not the MCU properties that we've seen so far, but definitely an X-Men or mutant property. And like you said, it would probably be best in a one-off scenario, but he could be done well oh, yeah.
0: and be interesting. The actor portraying him should not be able to also be an X-Wing pilot. Like it, it should be somebody that, cause I think in the comics he's like seven foot tall. Like he, he is a massive human being. Yeah, you would need okay. somebody that's like acting ability aside. You would need like a WWE, like an undertaker or a Kane, somebody that's going to mm-hmm. be like, Oh, that's the guy. He's, he's enormous and he is scary and he can change shape and shoot lasers and all kinds of other stuff. Like it, he's ridiculously overpowered to be not a cosmic threat. And I,
1: and I agree with that. And it's, as much as, you know, I, Oscar Isaac is a good actor, and even with the good prosthetics that they gave him, like, I still just think he's a scrawny dude that I could probably mm-hmm. who I could probably beat up. You know what I mean? I can't, I can't get that out of my mind. That that's who Oscar Isaac yeah. is, even though he's a great actor. So, uh, yeah, and with Apocalypse, there's so much you could do with him. I think one of the really interesting storylines that I would love to see would be, like, mm-hmm. the legacy virus. Because that was one of the really interesting ones I remember from the TV show that was, like, involves... For time travel, obviously Wolverine, who's everybody's favorite. It's, that one would be a really interesting one to me. That'd be a great one-off story that could involve a lot of characters, be really fascinating, and can even have long-lasting yeah. effects for the MCU. You can even involve people like Mister Sinister or whatever. You know, yeah, bring I could see it
0: being. Well, I could see two things if I now that I'm thinking about it. Um, one that's sort of like a uh, if you had a movie that took place in the far future, you could have like that that sort of thing with like mm-hmm. Cable and the X-Force or the uh, Strife yeah, and like that sort yeah. of thing. And whether or not that comes back and, and plays a part in the, the mainstream timeline uh, remains to be seen. But you could also have sort of a, an attempt at Age of Apocalypse where he sort of rises as this, this global threat and that forces Magneto and the X-Men to get along for a time, at least, like the tro- mm-hmm. sort of joined forces to put down this other major threat. That those are just two ideas just like shooting from the hip like that I, I could see working sort of like trying to nod to the comics and the pre-established stories from the comics but also making it f- suitable for for the movies
1: so that's the first part of our list of villains you'd like to see in the mcu the podcast was running a bit long so we decided to go ahead and break it up into two parts tune back in in the next week or two to get the second half of our list That's it for today, thank you for listening.